celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Go grab those pets and bring them around the radio. I'm sure they have questions, and you might even have questions, too, for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Villani, our groomer extraordinaire. This hour, more research. More research that says cat lovers are neurotic. (laughs) We take a lot of pictures of our cats. And there's a new study that says that we take more pictures of our cats than dog owners take of their dogs. That's shocking to me. I don't believe it. Me too. What does that actually mean? Well, we'll find out when uh, the lady who's responsible for this survey comes on the air. That'll be in about uh, 25 minutes. Also, we're going to do a quick check of our news. What are you working on? Uh, Some great news. We find that uh, research revealing that one segment of the world's population of children is really benefiting in a special way from pets. And we'll tell you what that is. That's on the way with Miss Lori Brooks. Let's go to the phones first for your calls from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, hello, Penny. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. Where are you today? I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida. Well, it sounds like a beautiful place to be. It sounds like a place I wish I was right now. It's a hot place right now. I bet. So what's going on with the animals? I got the whole team here for you. Okay. Um, we adopted from a shelter, um, well, it's been almost two years, about a year and a half, a little dog that will not eat dog food. Mm. Not any kind of dog food. Mm. Okay. And by that same token, it may be for that reason or another reason, she has trouble going to the bathroom. So we give her fiber uh, fiberol or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does she actually eat then? She eats uh, she has hamburger and chicken, and she's kind of gotten away from pork. She got a little tired of it, I think. Oh, golly. <laughs> People's food. <laughs> okay. And how long have you had her again? We've had her about a year and a half, and they told us there that the people who turned her in said that she wouldn't eat uh, regular dog food either. Okay. And she won't. Okay. Well, some of this can be a challenge when we have a pet that is already established in eating patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of a difference for maybe your situation for p- folks that have pets that are just kind of what I call a picky eater that don't eat reliably. Mm-hmm. So in your situation, the goal would be, I think, I think you need to decide what your goal is. If the goal is you want to get her completely over to dog food, that may not be possible. Um, if your goal is to try to broaden out her nutrition to get some formulated dog food into her, but yet still offer some people food, that may be kind of the mid, mid zone. Um, your other option is to stay doing what you're doing, but maybe get a little bit better, um, nutrition support and background to what you're doing. So, um, for folks that do have to home cook their own dog's food, um, it's more than just putting some cooked meat in the bowl or putting some rice in the bowl. That is actually very poor diet if we just limit it to that. That's what I'm um, afraid of. Yeah. So um, there are opportunities when I do have clients that have either the interest in making home-cooked diets for their pets. Um, there's some you know good resources as far as um, uh, books out there, but there are actually a lot of resources with veterinarians. Um, and a lot of veterinary schools actually have specific pet nutrition departments that will offer nutrition services to help 
individualize your pet's nutrition and diet. Um, so you can check in Florida. There are certainly a vet school there um, as well as across the country. So that's a great resource to look and uh, work through their departments. There's also an online uh, source um, called uh, balanceit.com and that offers um, nutrition evaluation and it's also by you know veterinary nutritionists. So this isn't just some Joe Blow who wrote a book and um, you know said this is what you should put in dog food because it's good for them. Um, Right. There's actually people that test and analyze and help to find deficiencies in what you're feeding. So th- that could be one long-term you know, solution for you. Um, but otherwise, if we're trying to transition a dog who's only been eating canned, or I'm sorry, only eating human food, I usually find you do have to incorporate that in some level um, for some period of time. And the food stuffs that they tend to be attracted to are not very commonly the dry kibbles. Mm-hmm. These dogs just don't like that. So looking at more the stew varieties of foods tend to be the most appealing to a dog that's been eating human food. Um, there's ways we can kind of trick them into eating those things. So you can take some of the... Um, um, like a low salt chicken broth and add that to different things to kind of make it more appetizing, whether it's dry kibble or um, even adding it into the existing food you're doing to start formulating an association. Mm, this is my pork and uh, rice or my chicken and rice that I'm eating, and it has this taste to it. And this is also going to follow into what you're offering on the side. So oh, it's kind well, of... I, I hear you, and I understand what you're saying, but this little girl, I try, I've tried, you name it. I've put vegetables in, and I've put, you know, cook, cooked vegetables, of course, and I've, I've even put bread with a little, you know, rice or broth on it. I, you name it, and I've probably done it. Well, you know, yeah. Dr. Debbie, you're always talking about tough love. Leave it out, and if they don't eat it, then they're gonna, they're not going to starve themselves. Well, usually. I've only had a few dogs that have really pushed that to like the four or five day limit. But usually three days. We don't panic in the, in the veterinary world if a dog doesn't eat for that time frame. Um, so, but you have to kind of be prepared and have those resources ready to make that, those bridging diets for a pet that's doing this. Now, I will tell you, I, my, my own little Shih Tzu mix, um, has experienced times when he's been off of his food. And it was upsetting. And I think my husband and I looked at each other and we went, Oh my gosh, he's not eating. What, what should we do? what should we do? And we started getting all frenzied. And the instinct is to try to make it more exciting, um, try to hand feed them. And sometimes that drama really can be counterproductive because you make it a show and a dance and all of this, and they're they're enjoying that attention. So not eating for mom and dad can sometimes be how they get their attention. So you're right, Hal, that you have to do watch that. The other thing I'll tell you is with my own little guy, the times that he's been off his food, he actually had dental problems, and he has beautiful teeth. They are not infected. They're not rotten, but he actually has interference, and, and this is something you may want to take her to have her mouth evaluated. So um, a lot of times dogs with underbites, they can have teeth that strike each other, and they're not supposed to. Um, and when that happens, that can cause uh, damage to the inner parts of the tooth and can cause pain. So my dog, when he was off his food, we actually had to pull four teeth out of his mouth. And he didn't look sick. His teeth didn't look bad. But we actually did a dental and discovered he had teeth that were contacting each other in a way that they weren't supposed to due to his underbite. And it was causing damage to the teeth and pain. So once we removed those teeth, he actually started eating great. And we celebrated that. We're like, wow, here we thought we were going to have a picky eater on our hands. So there are a lot of things inside the mouth that can actually influence that, as well as other things like um, liver disease or portosystemic shunts, which can actually um, cause little dogs to be poor eaters as well. So, um, you know, I I would have a 
co- conversation with your veterinarian about that and just make sure those particular things are really closely looked at. And it might mean that they have to do a dental cleaning under anesthesia to evaluate some of these teeth, but um, I, it could be so worth it. it. It would. Can I ask you one more thing and then I'll leave sure. you go? Oh, I was getting. I haven't done it lately, but I was getting. Uh, it's supposed to be nutrition for dogs. It comes in a tube like toothpaste, and it's okay. got a lot of vitamins and things in it. Would that be supplement enough? Not typically, and a lot of those were tend to be high calorie supplements as well. So, um, especially as we're talking about things like teeth health, I'm not a real fan of that. I'm not opposed to a dog that's not eating while getting a vitamin, but the instinct is that it doesn't replace um, a poor diet. You know, does it help? Yeah, maybe, but it, it's not going to take away, you know, nutrients that aren't um, either good quality or well absorbed um, and make them better. It's just adding some important minerals and vitamins into the diet. So it, it really kind of speaks to balance of um, a diet um, rather than just giving a, a pill to, to make it better. Okay. So I don't think it'll hurt, but I don't think it's going to really make a, a big difference. And I would just be cautious on, you know, just the sugar and uh, giving just plain old, uh, you know, dextrose or sugar in those things. Okay. All righty. I'll go to the library or somewhere, a bookstore, and look up some of these books. Uh, do you have a particular one that, that, you know, you would favor over others? I do, and the name is escaping me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I have it on my shelf in my office, and I can see it there, but it's I'll, escaping me. I'll tell you what. Uh, if you hold on and we can give us your address, we have a couple of these books. We can send you one of them, and we'll also find out the book that Dr. Debbie is talking about. We'll post that all on the website, too, okay. for other listeners that are interested. Okay. Penny, thank you so much. Hold on for one second there. Thank you. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to a company. It's uh, one of those internet-y, interweb companies mm-hmm. that has one of those cloud things. I really don't get the whole cloud thing. I don't. It's, I see clouds out there all the time, but I don't think it's clouds. I, I don't get it. I'm with you on that, and I uh, I asked my kids uh-huh. to explain it to me, and I still they actually confuse me more. <laughs> but apparently, they've done some research, this cloud interweb company, and they say that there's more pictures uploaded of cats than uh-huh. there are of dogs. And they've done a little research, a little study, and they're going to share it with us in just a couple of minutes. I right find here. that hard to believe. Also on the way, next hour, and this is kind of cool, you know, when your pet passes, you want to memorialize them. And there's so many different ways you can do that. We've heard about shooting their remains up into space. Yeah. We've heard about turning the remains into uh, a gem for a ring. Yeah, into jewelry to... to Diamonds, Yes, diamonds. Actually, yeah. pressing them into pressing diamonds. Them into diamonds. And today we're going to talk to a lady who makes uh, flower arrangements using the cremains of your animal. She'll explain it. I, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't know all about it. She's the expert and she'll tell us all about it in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. And what are you working on, Lori? We've got a, a huge study. I think this is probably the most detailed cat versus dog owner study that we've seen so far. Some pretty amazing things. I've noticed a theme. Surprising, too. The last couple huh? of weeks, there's been a lot of cat versus dog Cat versus theme. dog. <laughs> Why can't we all just get along? Absolutely. <laughs> Joey Villani, how are you doing? 
I'm doing good. What are you going to be talking about today? Pew. Stinky, stinky faces. Stinky faces. Smelly faces. Is that really yes. a problem in the grooming industry? Well, not in the grooming industry, but it's a problem, I guess, with the people who smell their dog's faces and go pew. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best in class cat trees and beds all come with six month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A R M A R K A T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. This is Greg Biffle on Animal Radio, and remember to spade and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, hello, friend. You should probably know Animal Radio has kicked off the Every Pet is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Have you uploaded your photo yet? Every pet entered will be featured in a phytofriendly magazine spread. And one cat photo will be randomly chosen to receive the top-of-the-line Armacat cat treehouse condo. In fact, we put one of these cat trees in the studio almost two decades ago, and it's still standing strong. And two dog photos will be randomly chosen to win the infamous Nina Otteson dog puzzles. If you have a smart dog you'll want to engage those brain games. Okay, it's so easy to enter. Go to animalradio.com slash photo and upload your pet's photos. That's animalradio.com slash photo. You got to enter before April 30th, animalradio.com slash photo. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. What's going on with your animals? I have a uh, nine-year-old Jack Russell Terrier that gets carsick. Um, she's a real timid little dog, and she gets really nervous in the car. And took her on a trip to try it out. Um, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour-long trip, and she threw up the whole way um, there. Oh, and on the way back, she was exhausted, so she slept. But the problem is we were going to go on a vacation for about four days. And in the past, we had another dog that we had to put down a couple months ago, and we would just leave them both at home and have someone come in and take care of them uh, several times a day. And that worked out fine, but we really didn't want to leave her alone, and she's never really been kenneled. So I guess my question is, is there anything you can do for the car sickness? I believe it's caused by her getting really nervous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are things we can do for pets that have this problem. Um, but you brought up a kind of a good point there is that for some pets, it's truly a motion sickness problem. But for others, it's really more of an anxiety driven uh, problem. And, uh, you know, we can treat for motion sickness, but if they've got anxiety or fear for car travel, then it doesn't necessarily um, help them. So um, the first thing is to really kind of figure out which situation it is. If if the sight of your car or just sitting in the car gets your dog salivating and gets them worked up, then we might be dealing more with an anxiety problem than if they're happy-go-lucky, they're in the car for a while, and then they get sick. Um, that might be more of a motion sickness. So um, first thing is really the main way to treat this is to tr- really condition the pet for car travel. So that's basically going to mean that we're going to 
slowly work up to exposures in the car and probably not take them for that two-hour car ride until they are actually um, acclimated to the car. So we want to start really baby steps. So we get them maybe close to the car. We treat them. We give them goodies. We make it a pleasant experience. Then we work up to opening the car door, making them sit in the car seat, um, coming back out, and then gradually turning on the car with a pet in it to actually going down the driveway. And the, as we do this, we're only doing little steps. So if at any point the pet shows fear, anxiety, or or get sick to their stomach, we stop because we're not going to win anything by trying to battle through it. We want to make it short, good exposures and make that car become a great thing that they become accustomed to. So that's how we work through that aspect. And eventually we build up to longer and longer exposures within the car. Now, to do that, you might need some other tools to help you. And uh, there's some kind of natural steps we might try. And then there's going to be also some different types of medications that we can look at. So um, if we're looking at a pet that has true motion sickness, I'm going to go for more like Dramamine or a drug called Serenia. Um, Both of those, you can talk to your veterinarian about the right doses. Um, And they can be helpful for a lot of pets with car travel. But beyond that, some kind of natural things that I like to use. Um, I'm a fan of the doggy pheromones, um, those scent hormones that have a calming effect on the pet. Mm-hmm. We can use those in preferably a collar format to help them through some of these nervous and anxious uh, times. Um, that would be helpful. Um, some folks also like to use ginger for car travel, um, and we can give that to our pets as well um, to help uh, kind of ease their stomach with uh, car sickness. Um, and then just some of the basic things, um, which you may have figured some of this out. A lot of people don't know that when we travel with our pets, they're just like us. If we face forward, we're better off. Um, and dogs and cats that are restraining carriers or in a seatbelt are less apt to have a problem because they're, they've got their world controlled. They're not seeing as much going on around them. And um, they are a little bit more controlled in their world. So those are good things. And, of course, we don't want to feed them right before you get into the car or you're going to have a mess on your hands. Right. I'm pretty sure it's just um, anxiety. I'm, I'm pretty sure just by knowing her, I'm almost positive that's what it is. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, of course, I'm not. I don't know, honestly. But... Um, I really do think that's probably what it is. And unfortunately, I've never really taken or there's been no reason to because we could leave just both dogs at home. Um, But I just hate leaving her home alone for that period of time. And the fact that she's never really been kenneled because we just didn't do it that way, I'm afraid that would be pretty traumatic for her too. So we were just trying to figure out a way for her to be happy and us to be able to go also. Yeah, and it'll take a little work, but you can do it. Um, it helps if the pet is already crate or kennel trained for getting them used to car travel, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that way. So it really just takes a lot of commitment, a little bit of time, and um, you know, really just working on that positive reinforcement with um, kind of every step you go. I never thought about the kennel. I'll try that, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Good luck, Cheryl. Okay. We appreciate your time. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Dr. Paul on Incredible Radio. Is that what it is? Animal Radio. Okay, I'm sorry. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. Take care of the pets and make sure that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. 
You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the ArmorCat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, ArmorCat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. ArmorCat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Dog owners are happier, more sociable, earn bigger salaries, and have a bigger sexual appetite than cat owners, according to a new study out of England. The data also suggests that dog owners are more likely to have paid off their mortgage and that they will be inclined to describe their job as maybe more stressful than a cat owner. By contrast, they have found that the average cat owner takes home about $34,000 a year, while the typical dog owner eh, can expect to make about $38,000 a year. The study also found dog owners are enjoying life a little higher up on the career ladder. More cat owners, they say, live with their parents than dog owners, and that does coincide with the fact that feline fans are less likely to be married, 55 to 60%. Marked differences they found appear in sociability, too. When asked to reveal how many best friends they had, cat owners had an average of 12, while dog lovers have about 15 close friends. The study suggests dog owners also appear to love their pets more. That's kind of controversial. But they rated their affection at an average of 9.5 out of 10, compared to cat owners who gave their cat love an average of 8 out of 10. Oh, and the study also revealed that those who have dogs enjoy slightly more sex more often than their cat-loving counterparts. That's three times a week to only twice a week for cat owners. Cupcake is an incredibly lucky cat, a Siamese. He survived being stuck inside a small cardboard box for eight days and uh, traveled 260 miles after its owner accidentally mailed him. The owner didn't see Cupcake snoozing inside the package as she packed it with DVDs, and then she dropped it off in the mail. The package's recipients were stunned when they opened up the box, and they're like, hey, there's this cute cat curled up alongside the movies they just purchased. Cupcake was reunited with its tearful owner, who did feel terrible over the weekend. She says, I knew Cupcake was missing, but not for one second did I think that she was in that box. She has no clue how Cupcake managed to get inside the package. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Miss Lori Brooks uh, reported that dog owners generally are happier and have more sex. And money. Sex and money. I, I knew somehow you would really <laughs> glom onto that. Well, you did mention it twice. <laughs> but so, you're a cat guy, Hal. I am a cat guy, so I'm thinking of getting some dogs. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I mean, the money part, maybe. I don't. The sex part, I don't know. It's lacking in my household. So, and I have four dogs, guys. Four. Oh my! Uh, I would think that dog owners 
would have diminished opportunity for sex if the dog's in the bed. Well, now let me ask you, you see dog and cat owners every day, all day long. Do you notice a difference between the two? I'm sure she doesn't ask them about their sex I, life. You yeah, don't really <laughs> delve into their sex, sexual habits. Um, I think, you know, some of the cat people definitely can be more... Um, uh, they can definitely be different, you know, sometimes less social, you know, but the dog people tend to be out doing things where their dogs can be. So tend to be into more like group activities or outdoor activities. So, but I really don't know about the sex life, I can say. Um, well, and I'm also very delighted to hear about that cat that found its way back home after being accidentally mailed. Oh, dear. Did you? Oh, my gosh. What a disaster. And I'm sure she feels horrible. That How would could do- you do that? I just you don't know, get I- it. I reread, reread, and reread that story because I'm thinking, come on, how would you do that? Uh, Well, you know how cats get into the weirdest places and then they just kind of hunker down and take a nap? I can totally see how it happens because I had it where my cat once actually crawled into my suitcase while I was packing my suitcase. And, you know, it was very obvious, of course, because it was right. He was right there. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness, if you're kind of running around doing things, I could I could imagine how it happened. I locked my cat in the bathroom the other day inadvertently. You know, they just have a way of sneaking into things. Well, and um, the cat's name was Cupcake, right? Yes. The, thing, the cat had, yeah. a, had a long shelf life there. You know, it didn't spoil. What's an amazing thing is that the duration of how long this cat yep. survived. I think that's really what's amazing. How does it go through the whole mailing process? At some point in time, I mean, don't you feel something moving around in it? Yeah, yeah you The would mail is supposed think? to check for bombs and stuff like that, and here we got a live animal in a box, <laughs> and they can't even find that. Very strange story, and yeah. of course... Right here on Animal Radio, that's where we actually have someone full-time that's doing this, finding these stories for you. Thank you, Miss Lori Brooks, for doing that. We do appreciate that. Uh, You know what? We have on the phone with us Jackie Stone. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at Me Media. My Media. My Media? My Media. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You have a cloud, don't you? A big old cloud, right? (laughs) We do. We have a personal cloud uh, for all your personal content, which is your photos, videos, music, and documents. Okay, so you see a lot of people are uploading certain types of pictures and uh, certain kinds of content, and you're able to tell us a little bit about dog lovers and cat lovers from that research. Is that correct? Right. So we, we can't see what you upload because uh, we do have privacy and encryption in place. But what we did was we surveyed a whole bunch of, of our users who are cat and dog lovers and uh, came up with some pretty interesting stats. Yeah, what did you find out? Believe it or not, cat owners take up more gigabytes per year in their phone than dog lovers. I don't believe it. So are you saying that cat owners like take more pictures? They take more pictures um, for sure. They take four to five pictures per day and dog owners only take two. But there's a big but here. Dog owners do take two videos of their pets per week um, where cat owners, only 7% of them take two videos per week. So there's a, a video photo uh, comparison here, but cat winner, cat owners definitely went out on the gigabyte storage. Yeah, why do you think that is? Do you think we're just a little crazy about our animals, or cats especially? Uh, well, my personal view on this, because I've had both dogs and cats in my life. I also had fish. Um, but I think that cats are more sedentary, so you have a, a much better photo opportunity than you do with dogs, who are very more uh, active. So. Oh. I would say it's about the activity of each animal, uh, but it's it definitely dogs win on the video, which makes sense because if you're throwing a ball, 
and a dog runs after it or runs after it with the kids, you could take a video. See, my personal feeling is like an outlet, is that dogs are out there, people see them, you can show off your dogs, but no one sees your cats. So videos and photos are kind of like the only outlet you have to get your cat out there because you don't take your cat anywhere. That's a very good point, for sure. Uh, Although I have seen people walk their cat. Uh, I've done that. that. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. But uh, I I think you're right. And I think it's also the fact um, that, you know, you can get pretty close up to the cat and the eyes of a cat are beautiful. And uh, most of the pictures that we saw were the cats in a curled up position or staring into the camera where dogs were a little bit more active. Yeah, I can get a close-up picture of my cat. They sit there, but if I try my dog, she just licks me all over the place and jumps on me. So, Well, you know, the, the whole Internet was made of cats, not dogs. It was uh, designed for cats. Designed for cats. I think it was actually designed by a cat. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, but uh, just a little little information. Al, Al Gore would disagree with you on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he would. It was Al Gore's cat, actually, that, oh, okay. that helped him along with that there. Well, Jackie, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Jackie Stone, the Chief Marketing Officer at... My Media, spelled M-I-M-E-D-I-A. Thank you, and and send more more pictures of cats and dogs to the class. Damn straight. (laughs) I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to take some pictures. Uh, Let's head back to the phones for your calls to talk to Dr. Debbie or dog father, Joey Villani. Hey, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. But first, the story of Bear. Mom is furiously looking for 14-month-old Stanley. And when she found him, he appeared to be floating in the pool. But he was actually on the back of their family dog, Bear. Bear kept very still to make sure Stanley did not go under. Wow. Now let's talk about leash training your dog. First, put your dog in his kennel for about 20 minutes. When you take him out, be calm and don't talk to him. And what you're going to be doing is either going to the park or into your backyard. You're going to be walking a perfect square with a 16-foot leash attached to a choker chain. You can put two leashes together or use a rope. You're going to hold the leash close to your body, chest level with both hands. And just stand at the corner of the square. Pay no attention to your dog. Don't talk to him. Don't look at him either. Just look to the next corner of the square, the one you're going to be walking to. About 60 to 90 feet away. Your dog will probably be paying no attention to you. Then just start walking to the next corner of the square. Your dog's going to get a major correction. When you get to the next corner of the square, face the third corner and stand there for 60 to 90 seconds before you take off again. Do this for about 15 to 20 minutes and you're going to notice by the end of the session your dog's paying much better attention to where you are. He knows when you take off, he gets a correction. You can do this three times a week every other day. By the second or third session, your dog's going to be much closer to you paying way better attention. Do it for a week or two, and then you're going to move to a six-foot leash. Now when you take off to the different corners of the square, you're going to use the word heel. Do that for a week or two. Then reel the leash in so that the dog is right next to you. Use the word heel, start walking, and then do a 360 and move quickly the other way just to keep your dog on his toes. Then after that, you'll want to use other dogs for distractions, walking towards them, turning the opposite way, saying heel, and taking off quickly. If your dog's not paying attention, he's going to get that correction again. After you're done, put your dog back in his kennel for 15 to 20 minutes so it sinks in. And before you start, wait till your dog's at least six months old. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. 
They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Let's talk to Dale. Hey, Dale, how are you? Hi. I've got a, um, a boxer pup. It's about, oh, 15 months old. And a friend of ours is over, and they had a, an Akita puppy, and they were playing pretty rough. And the Akita puppy literally just ran right into the boxer pup and pushed him into a cabinet. And they started favoring his front right leg for quite a while, and... Um, you know, I, I laid him down and I kind of felt his leg and checked to see if there was any fractures or anything that I could feel of. Couldn't mm-hmm. feel anything, and there was normal movement in an up and down, you know, in a normal position on the leg. So the next day we take him to the vet just to make sure there wasn't a simple fracture. They didn't show anything on the x-ray, but to this day, this was uh, oh, several months back, and to this day he'll be he'll favor the leg on occasion, but then he just has a... A moment where he'll just he'll run and play like there's nothing wrong with it. I can't figure out why he keeps favoring it, and my vet can't figure it out either. Yeah, that is a bit of a strange um, presentation for a limping problem. And uh, when you talk about a young dog, especially a young large breed dog, a couple things come to mind of types of growth problems that can occur and that can cause a, a limping problem, especially an on again, off again problem. They're not always typically preceded by an injury so that kind of confuses the history here a little bit for your baby but there are some weird conditions there's one called OCD and another called panosteitis and they're they're common in young uh, large breed dogs and they're a little bit harder to find because they're not really as obvious as a fracture um, so I might uh, say that in your situation, I would encourage maybe a follow-up x-ray and see if there's any changes between those. Um, see if we can see if there's some subtle change with the cartilage that maybe is sheared off a defect, something that could explain that persistent pain. Because, yeah, if nothing's broken and he's a youngster, yeah, I'm, I, I can't make up any other real good reasons why he should be having a problem in that regard. Right. And I, I didn't know if it I might get, be like a bone bruise or something, you know, on a, on a green bone that's still growing. I didn't know if there could be such a thing like a bone bruise. Well, they can get bone uh, cysts and kind of like inclusion cysts inside the the parts of the long bones. And that might not be something that was readily apparent the first time, you know, right after the injury. But that's where, like, shooting another x-ray at this point might be worthwhile to see. Because you can get changes like that um, in a bone after some kind of injury. So, yeah, I mean, I think that would probably be the best thing I'd encourage it is to just take another peek at it. And then um, has has your puppy been on any kind of pain relief? Did they prescribe an anti-inflammatory of any sort yeah an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. okay, and, uh, that's what's it's crazy because after we put him on the anti-inflammatory you know i mean he still kind of favored it for a little while but then you know he'd be laying down and then the next thing we know you know he'll 
he'll see something, he'll jump up and run around like it's it's nothing, you know. So I don't know, if he, you know, it's like I uh, told my wife. It's, I wonder if he just he's doing it for a sympathy trip. <laughs> well, I always say, never underestimate the power uh-huh. of adrenaline, uh-huh. especially in a young dog, because I, I have dogs come to my office, and they may be limping, not walking at home, and they come in, and their tails wagging, and they're dancing around. So that once that adrenaline kicks in, boy, yeah, that limp can kind of fade away, and, uh, you know, they may be thinking about the rabbit they're chasing, or, um, you know, the other fun on the other side of the door that they're going to have. Uh-huh. So. Can you actually train your dog to limp uh I mean, give them no seriously. Oh, sure, you I would could. think that if if they get uh, the the sympathy vote when they're limping, that they might actually do that. Even you know, maybe I could go to maybe I could go to Hollywood. And we could. They might need a limping dog <laughs> if we could get him a movie role. <laughs> there you go. He can earn his keep that way. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll uh, I'll take him back in and have another X ray X ray run and and uh, see if anything else shows up. I appreciate it. Thanks for the good work. Thanks Thank you for, for the calling call. today. Yes. Hey Beth, how are you? Good. How are you today? Good. Where are you? In the great state of Alabama. Now, you don't have that Alabama accent, though. Oh, you think not? Well, thank you. (laughs) I'm surprised you say that. (laughs) I catch it. Yeah, I'm picking up on it. Well, how can we help you today, Beth? I have four dogs. Three of them are labs. One is a mixed breed, and they are, I think, senior dogs. Two of them are 12 years old, and the other two are nine years old. Okay. And I have four la- I have three labs and like I said a mixed breed. I was wondering I read somewhere about feeding the dogs. We feed our dogs at night or late late in the afternoon. I read somewhere that as your dog get up gets older that perhaps it's a it's better to feed to split up the feeding, feed in the morning and then at night. What do you think? You know, you know I personally in general, for any dog, I like feeding twice a day. And there's a couple reasons. It generally kind of coincides with the social time in the household. So it's a bonding time. Um, and I do meal feeding for my dog. So I set it down. And it, it's a time for me to kind of reward them and also practice some obedience uh, skills as well. But also it helps to kind of set that pattern of this is what you're going to do for the day. And, and for many dogs, maybe not so much in an older dog, but it helps to decrease boredom if they have things to do at the beginning and the end of the day, something to look forward to. So they're maybe less apt to chew things in the yard or around the house. Um, and then I'd say the once a day thing for an older pet, we might be a little bit more worried about some health problems. Um, if there's any continence issues, then um, twice a day feeding might be a little tough if they're unsupervised for periods of the time. Um, but it does have the benefit of if you feed twice a day, it can help to maybe decrease the risk of something such as bloat, which is a problem, especially in larger dogs. When um, if we, it's better if we feed small meals more often than very one large, very uh, big meal during the day. So that would be maybe a health benefit I could see for your situation there. But the honest truth is some dogs prefer once a day eating. And if it's kind of ingrained and they seem satisfied, then, then there's no reason you have to change it. It would be more just a strategy to kind of work on some of those other things. And in older pets, we want to make sure they are eating. So um, twice a day feeding does give you that opportunity to really kind of observe their eating and drinking on a more frequent um, interval. And that might be a benefit for the older timers as well. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Thank you. Thanks for calling today. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 
Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, yeah, wow, there's even more. Can you believe it this hour? We have a young lady on who's thought of a great new way to memorialize your animals once they've passed. We, we always hear some amazing genius ideas here <laughs> on uh, things to do with your animals. Shoot them off to space, turn them into diamonds, all kinds of things. This lady is going to tell you how you can have them growing in the garden. So we'll find out about that in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. You know, Ladybug this week, she got her first yeast infection and hopefully her last yeast infection. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying it proudly or anything like that, but I really had no idea what that's like. But boy, that gets smelly and yucky and gross. And dogs with lots of hair. I mean, really, you think about all that area where moisture can pocket and really kind of things can hide underneath there. See, and Ladybug doesn't. So I guess that's why I've gotten away with it for all these years because her ears stand up. She doesn't have a lot of hair. So I didn't think that would be her, something yeah. I'd ever have to deal with. She Generally, a pretty good smelling dog. Yeah, but I have to admit, I, I did get water in her ear when I bathed her. Is that how how we think that she got the yeast that infection? Started, yeah. Okay, so if you do bathe your animals and you do get water in your in their ear, make sure that you uh, get that out of there. Yeah, is there's a saying? solution that you can put in there that will help dry the oh, inside of the ear. Yes. Well, she's on this uh, medicine now. Tell us a little bit about the medicine that she's on. It's uh, some kind of uh, trioptic. Uh, it's probably a lot of the ear medications are combination products. So yeah. they'll tend to have an antibiotic, an anti-yeast medicine. Yeah, it does. And a steroid, something for inflammation. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, I don't want to say the catch-all, but for a lot of kind of garden variety ear infections or even some skin wounds, we might use a product like that. Yeah, she, um, she definitely had the inflammation too her ear was closed like she could not hear out of it and within a day of using that medicine it started to open back up yeah this time of year too with allergies and their eyes water i think that can make their faces stink too yeah is that true yeah Definitely among other things, yeah. But I think with the beards and that, a lot of that is just the constant battle of moisture <laughs> versus skin and and just a lot of that uh, area hanging out there. I mean, I've got a Bouvier and, and it yeah. is a constant a battle with that wetness. And, you know, drink a, she drinks in the bowl, comes out and she's just dripping and like so much for that <laughs> clean floor, you know, we just had <laughs> washed, but no. How big is that Bouvier of yours? She's just a little under 80 pounds. Just so, a little under 80. Uh, yeah, just yeah. a little. Uh, does she, With fur, she looks bigger though. <laughs> does she? Is she allowed in the bed? Do you let her sleep in the bed? No, she's actually not that kind of dog. She actually is most content laying on the ground, uh, laying on the kind of entry area to our home, and she guards the house. So she actually stays close to the front door and likes to be in the watch. So mm, okay, oh. well she yeah. is a she is a beautiful dog. I don't think I can deal with a dog that big though. I'm getting accustomed to the yeah, size. Yeah, she takes of a lot of grooming too. <laughs> she does. I'll admit. Yeah. Hey Nancy, how are you? I'm just fine, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Uh, San Luis Obispo. All listening on KVEC. Yes. What's going on today? Well, I called yesterday because my husband took my little dog for a walk, and she had a very bad episode of loose 
stools that looked like it had a little bloody mucus in it. Mm, and okay. I know she's had a little loose stools every once in a while, but I got really concerned, and my husband was really freaking out. But today she's had nothing but normal stools, and she's eating, and she's acting okay. okay. So I'm thinking it was something she ate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly suspect. And she's how old? She's a baby? Eight and a half months. Eight and a half months. How uh-huh. adorable. three and a half pounds. <laughs> Oh, how precious. Now, so yes, occasionally dogs will have some blood in the stool. It's usually a function of inflammation or lower bowel irritation. So some dogs can eat something that doesn't agree with them. And if they have diarrhea, there can be a straining associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so not much is coming out, but they're still pushing. And and we may see some rectal bleeding with that. Um, the way that would be identified is we see fresh blood in the stool. Um, so it wouldn't be kind of black or tarry. It, it truly has its red characteristics to it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's usually associated with diarrhea or unusual stool. Mm-hmm. So there are dogs that can have occasionally some blood in the stool with normal bowel movements, but it's a little bit less common. So in a young dog of her age, I would say it certainly could be something she ate. And I would retrace in my memory uh, what she had eaten for the last 48 to 72 hours before then. Because a lot of times I do find sometimes treat foods are suspect. Um, as much as they love them and they can tolerate them well, um, some dogs say with rawhide chews or edible chews can have a little bit of off stools um, the day or so following eating a kind of an in- edible treat. Um, and then that leaves also eating those things that should, they're not supposed to, things in the yard, in the backyard. Um, but in a puppy, I would also make sure that you do have her stool checked um, just to make sure she doesn't have any kind of worms. Um, some different types like whipworms in particular, even tapeworms, we can see some some lower bowel issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have that checked out. And uh, the mucus that you're describing, um, when I hear people describe that, that, um, just so everyone knows, mucus is produced by the colon as a protective mechanism. So if you're seeing a little bit of slimy stuff, or even sometimes dogs will get a sheath of mucus that kind of covers the stool. It's the body trying to protect them as that's moving through because there's irritation. So mm-hmm. as long as that's gone and it was only yesterday, you're not seeing that further, then it's unlikely it's a major problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I was glad to see that she'd had three normal stools today so far. Yeah, and, I'm sure. Uh, she seems to be eating because she acted a little, little bit off yesterday. But I had given her some fresh pears. She loves fruit, and I was eating a pear, so I gave her a little, tiny little bits of it. And she likes apples, but I was eating that pear, and I didn't know whether that triggered her diarrhea type stool. Or well, if she eat. If she ate enough of it, even though it, it's good and it's a healthy type treat, um, yeah, it could definitely cause her stools to be off if she ate a lot for her little body size. Uh-huh. But she's just, she's a ferocious eater and loves <laughs> to dig stuff up in the yard and eat weeds and oh, goodness. stuff that I have to constantly monitor to see what she's got now. And <clears throat> so I do worry about that. The other thing that is of concern is she does a lot of itching off and on, and I don't, you know, I don't find any fleas, and her coat is such that I can find fleas easy enough, don't see any residue from fleas. Why would she 
scratch off and on, just like, I'm just Oof. itching like crazy. Well, that occasional itch here and there, that's kind of part of being a dog. Mm-hmm. Most dogs will do that, just kind of, you know, start scratching here or there, especially, you know, with a collar or a leash. Sometimes that just causes some irritation there. Mm-hmm. If it's more persistent and it's something that's really occupying her time and you can't sit with her on your lap because she just keeps wanting to scratch or to chew, then I really, I would make sure we do a good parasite check on her. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's internal or external um, parasites. So we could have fleas, ticks, that kind of thing. But sometimes even some dogs we notice if they have internal parasites, they might have a little itchiness on their skin, too. It's just kind of a weird little thing we'll, we'll run into. So um, Now, I, I look at her skin really close, but I don't see any sign of it. But the other thing is it seems to be triggered after a bath in particular. And I mm-hmm. use a dog shampoo, a peerless dog shampoo and a conditioner, that, mm-hmm. uh, and it's their dog-related. So... I wouldn't think that that would be causing her to itch. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's a dog shampoo and it's, you know, non-medicated, then it still could be the shampoo. And the one thing that I see can often cause some dryness and itchiness afterwards is if we just don't rinse well enough. Mm-hmm. So there can be a little bit of product residue. That can also sometimes cause a little bit of dander. Mm-hmm. So just make sure you do rinse really well, mm-hmm. um, and that will help to avoid that. Okay. So I shouldn't worry about the bloody stool then. It just sounded like it was something irritating her or something. Yeah, if it hasn't occurred again, Mm -hmm. probably not a big deal. I still would recommend you get a stool sample to your vet, though. Okay. Okay? Will do. Good luck with that, Nance. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Debbie. Well, you lucky dog, Animal Radio has kicked off the Every Pet is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Have you uploaded your photos yet? Every pet entered will be featured in a Fido-friendly magazine spread. One cat photo will be randomly chosen to receive the -the top-of-the-line Armacat cat treehouse condo. We put one of these in the studio almost two decades ago, and it's still standing strong. And then two dog photos will be randomly chosen to win the infamous Nina Otteson dog puzzles. You know, if you have a smart dog, you'll want to engage those brain games. Okay, so it's so easy to enter. Go to AnimalRadio.com slash photo and upload your pet's photo. That's AnimalRadio.com slash photo. But you got to enter before April 30th. AnimalRadio.com slash photo. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to a lady. She's got a great new idea. It's called Pet Perennials. These are flowers that bloom along with the cremains that uh, you give her. I believe. I I don't want to go too far into it because I I want her to explain it. And she's on in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. So I want to stick around for that. Lori Brooks in the newsroom, what are you working on? Well, you know, there are a lot of fat cats out there Mm -hmm. these days. So it's a big problem. Leads to a lot of different things. Dr. Debbie can tell you more about that. But if you have a fat cat, it's not healthy for your cat. So there's a vet who is giving us a new way to feed our cat more naturally 
that hopefully will help them lose weight because they're doing it more naturally. And we'll explain this new product in just a few minutes. Yeah, I think in the wild, I don't believe that there's always food in a dish awaiting animals in the wild. So. Right. Yeah. yeah free feeding doesn't happen in nature. And we have some big cats around here. I'm ashamed <laughs> of it. I am ashamed. I'm going to get one of them to get on the treadmill with me every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And i just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals and for the environment. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Yeah, we also have some emails here. In fact, I wanted to... Uh, don't know if you have these yet. This, uh, people, people love this email thing. I got to tell you that. I get so many people that ask questions that they just don't have time to like get on the phone and talk to us. So this is a great way to get your questions asked. I think email is going to catch on. I think it's going to be one of those things that's... <laughs> it's one of those new things out there, yeah. <laughs> big and wild. Uh, but this one comes from Steve Worsley. He writes, Good evening, Dr. Debbie. So polite. Thank you, Steve, <laughs> for that. Uh, with all this talk about the Zika virus going around and the warm weather approaching fast, can our furry little friends, our dogs, our cats, contract the virus? And if so, is there or will there be a vaccine for our little furry friends? Oh, such a timely topic. And I think a lot of people are more concerned about these kinds of diseases and how it could impact their pets than it could themselves. So um, the honest truth is we really don't know what the potential infection rate um, or even if animals would show dogs and cats would be sick with Zika. Um, So the answer really is we don't know. What we do know is that primates in the areas where Zika is, they certainly have been shown to um, become infected. but we have to keep in mind that with Zika, people only show symptoms 20% of the time. So in 80% of the cases, we really just don't know about the disease. So I think detecting pets that may have been exposed to Zika would be very challenging unless they were showing symptoms. So I think time will tell if this will become a problem. Um, but at this time, it's really not something in the U.S. that is, we don't have the mosquito for this in the U.S. Um, so it's it's not something that's really on our radars. I wouldn't put a lot of concern into it at this point. For your pet's sake, if you are traveling to areas with Zika, then it's human health concerns we talk about. Um, and I will tell you that the, the chance of a Zika vaccine for pets at this point is really remote. Um, first, the efforts will be towards humans. Um, and uh, if it 
becomes a problem that we find with animals, then perhaps that might be something down the road. But it's really, I just think, too early to say um, if it's even going to be necessary for pets. And I think everyone's all about not over-vaccinating and not giving vaccines we don't really have a just cause for. So um, we'll just have to sit back and watch and, and see what happens with uh, the dog-cat thing. Okay. Time yeah. will tell. Oh. Yes. But one thing I will say is uh-huh. that the thing people do need to be more concerned about are other mosquito-borne illnesses. Uh-huh. So in the U.S., we do have heartworm disease, and it is a killer. So dogs and cats can get heartworm disease. So that is something you really want to be aware of. Um, use preventatives for your pets um, and talk to your veterinarian about other types of uh, repellents and things you might want to use. Do we have to worry about heartworm everywhere in the U.S. or just to certain states? It's pretty much in every state. Um, the the level of heartworm is far heavier in areas where there's moist, um, warm temperatures um, that don't have hard freezes. But really, um, there we have it even um, in low levels in the, the southwest. So the uh, Arizona area, um, it's even been found in Nevada. So it's it's out there. It okay. really is. Okay. Uh, thanks, Steve, for your question at yourvoiceatanimalradio.com. This one comes from Lynn. The breezy one, she says, Dr. Debbie, my Chihuahua Dachshund mix, about seven years old, had surgery about four years ago to remove struvite stones. Am I pronouncing that right, Dr. Debbie? You got it. Yeah. Struvite stones, many the size of M&Ms. And since her surgery, she's been on a Royal Canin SO food and she's doing well. Uh, My question is, what type of treats can I give her? I top her food with boiled chicken, but I'm worried about giving her treats. I don't want to give her anything that would cause the stones to accumulate. So... Dr. Debbie, first tell me, what is a struvite stone? <laughs> okay, well, struvite stone is a type of stone. It, it, it talks about the composition. A struvite stone is mostly like a phosphorus-based stone. And when we talk about bladder stones in animals, there's all these different types. So it really depends on what type your pet has and what kind of preventative or treatment strategies we have. So she's right that we do talk about diet and how it can influence certain types of stones. Um, the good thing I would tell you, Lynn, is that with struvite stones, because they are often um, accompanied by um, infection, or I should say infection leads to the development of struvite stones, in many cases, once we remove the stones and actively and correctly treat that infection that's in the bladder, then they shouldn't form. But we do put pets on certain diets to help prevent that. Part of it is to prevent the stones, but also it is to provide the right urine environment. So we want a really watery, dilute urine, which kind of flushes those crystals out before they can form into more solid stones. But uh, so I would say for your particular pet situation, I'm not worried so much about the treats, what they're made of. The only thing I tell you is that we've got to keep your baby in good weight. So keep those treats under 10% the total daily calories. Um, and in female dogs, we do see a, a lot of vaginal problems that lead to bladder infections, which lead to the development of struvite stones. So um, this is something to really talk to your veterinarian about. Make sure we're looking at the vaginal conformation because some little girls will have little folds of skin that just kind of set up for kind of chronic infections down there. Um, overweight female dogs will have pockets of fat that kind of cover the area and can also make them a higher risk for recurrence of these stones um, or other health problems, um, Cushing's disease, other problems where their immune system might be uh, not able to fight off a urine infection and therefore get these stones. So a lot of things that we would look at, and I need to know more about your particular baby's um, situation, but in answer to your question, uh, keep those treats um, to a minimum and uh, you know keep her on that diet and definitely follow up with your veterinarian. And I try to check dogs with bladder stones at least twice a year. Um, check a urine sample and at least once a year um, check a uh, x-ray. Make sure we don't have recurrence. 
How would you, how would you know your dog has stones? What are some of the symptoms? Um, symptoms of a bladder stone look like a urinary infection. So straining to urinate, going frequently, having accidents in the house, um, sometimes female dogs licking down in the vaginal area. Um, so a lot of times people mistakenly think, uh, or they may treat repeatedly for infections and not realize that there's actually a stone there. So that's where, when your vet says, Hey, I want to take an x-ray. Some people look at me cross-eyed, like, what are you talking about? She's got an infection, but it's because these kind of things happen. And we really want to make sure we're not missing a stone because those infections just aren't going to go away if there's a stone bopping around in there. Okay. Lynn, thank you so much for your call. Uh, excuse me, for your email at your voice at animalradio.com. You're listening. Listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Nava from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Remember, if you have questions about anything you've heard on today's show, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, all updated, all new. It is cool, it is free, and uh, you actually look sexier with the app. Not a lot of people know that is one of the effects, but if you download it to your phone, you look sexier. Like, look, do I look sexier than I did before I downloaded? Of course, you're saying. (laughs) So there's so many reasons to download it, so do it now. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Veterinary science has long known that cats should not be eating from bowls. That's according to Dr. Liz Bales, a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine. She says, in nature, cats catch their prey play with it, eat it, groom themselves, and sleep. And they do all this 9 to 20 times a day within, you know, 24 hours. She says hunting is a huge, very important part of cats' physical and mental health, and that by putting cat food in bowls, we owners inadvertently eliminate their natural burst of energy that cats require to maintain optimum health. The end result, she says, is obesity, lethargy, aggressive behavior, and so-called scarf and barf syndrome. That's where cats eat a little too fast and then regurgitate. So Bales has designed the no bowl feeding system that mimics nature. She says instead of bowls, she created washable portion controlled kibble dispensers that you hide around the house so that cats are engaged in a more active form of hunting and playing with their food all throughout the day and night, more like a grazing schedule. And it will be on the market coming up in August of this year. 
Well, is your coat or any part of your wardrobe made from dog or cat fur? I know it's it's a horrible question. It's an awful thought. But before you run off to check the tags on your clothing, know this, that no one is legally bound to tell you if that is cat or dog fur on your clothing. This has been a problem all over the world. Now in Canada, one lawmaker is working on a bill that would ban importing cat and dog fur and require labels that tell consumers what kind of animal fur is on their clothing. In many countries, real dog and cat fur line jackets have turned up in so many police investigations. In Canada, where this bill is happening, for example, a few years ago, police there seized knockoff parkas that they found had German Shepherd lined hoods. And actor Shamar Moore, he played Derek Morgan on Criminal Minds for the last 11 seasons. He's opening up now a little bit on his surprising exit from the show. The 45-year-old very sexy actor says he is looking for balance in his life and, quote, I want to walk my dogs more. You got to love that. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Boot, the studio cat, he's uh, he's in hospice right now. He's on the last, probably last, at least last month of his life, I would say right now. And I'm thinking, you know, he's he's been... He's been my bud, you know, for a long time, and he's been real influential in uh, animal radio and uh, what we do and everything. And so I, I figure when he's gone, I really want to celebrate his life. And as you know, over the last few years, we've talked to all kinds of different people who have come up with some great, great genius ideas for celebrating their animals' lives. One of them was to send their cremains off into space, <laughs> which crazy. was for about, I believe, six to $10,000 yeah, I could do I that. So. Uh, a little pricey for me, uh, but a great idea nonetheless. Then there was the one of making them into a gemstone or yeah. like a diamond. I like that idea. That's yeah. kind of cool, too. how they do it. But. Uh, I would wear a little bit of Boog the Studio Cat around uh, and have them there all the time in, in mm-hmm. some kind of gemstone or something like that. And then this came across my desk. I really like this idea. And we welcome to the show, Ramey Bebo. Ramey Bebo, I just love your name. <laughs> That's, Thank you, Hal. <laughs> you, you have a great idea. You have a company called PetPerennials.com, and you create new life from the life of your beloved pet. Tell us what you do and, and all about it. Okay, Hal. Thank you so much for um, having me on your show. Of course. Um, so I, I heard you talking about your aging cat, and sorry to hear that. Um, Pet Perennials was truly inspired by um, our pet loss. My business partner, Lori Davidson, and I um, came up with the idea um, when we were brainstorming about a bunch of things, and we have both experienced pet loss, and it was really, you know, significant. Um, so what we decided to do, we found a way to take some of the cremated remains of a pet and create flower wafers, seed wafers that, pet parents and families can grow in their gardens to create perennial gardens. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, truly inspired and just such a lovely way to celebrate the life of our pets. When you say wafers, can you explain that to me and what exactly that is? Okay, so um, what we do is we have a uh, soil matrix. It has all of the nutrients already in it. It's oh. pre-made. Okay. Um, it binds together. And what we do is we 
merge uh, perennial wildflower seeds and annual wildflower seeds with our matrix, and then we cut them into shapes, lovely shapes that signify our, our favorite pets. There's dog shapes, there's heart shapes, there's flower shapes, there's little paw shapes. And when we're making the actual seed wafers, we cut them into those shapes. So it's the soil matrix that has all the nutrients in it that makes a viable growing product, a viable flower product, along with the seeds formed into a shape. We call it a seed wafer instead of a seed ball, oh. the seed wafer. So the, your pet's remains are in the, uh, the soil matrix, is that correct? Well, you can choose to add them. So if you're a pet parent or family and you want pet perennials, you have the option to add the cremated remains or not. So it's a lovely gift even for people who haven't cremated but may have buried a pet. It's an activity that they can do in the comfort of their own home with our My Pet Perennials kits. Um, You get the matrix, you get the flower seed, you get the crafting tools, and then the instructions tell you how to make them and how to sew them. In making them, in the steps, it tells you that you can choose to add them or not. But it's as simple as mixing in a half a teaspoon of those cremated remains into the rest of the mixture, making sure it's good and mixed up, getting it into rolling it out just like you might with a dough, and then cutting your shapes, your seed wafer shapes. So if I get them pre-made from you, how many Uh wafers do I get? In a pre-made order, Uh you get 24 seed wafers. Oh, wow. So I could plant them all over the place. Exactly. That's the lovely part of it. You can take these seed wafers, put them in your yard, put them in flower pots, put them in window boxes. If you've had, um, you know, if this was a family pet and your children have moved away, you can send them some seed wafers and they can begin these perennial gardens in their own home. The other thing is they're lovely to take um, to the dog park where you used to take your dog or a place where you rode your horse, a pasture that you like to ride your horse in. Because the seed wafers are so simple to grow, we call it sowing because you don't need to plant. You just literally place them on the soil or in the flower pot or on the earth, and they'll bloom. So is my new pet going to be attracted to this? Is it going to know? Is it going to smell? Is it going to know that that was an animal? You know, I'm not sure. I think, you know, our philosophy at Cherished Ones, which is the company that that makes pet perennials, is that our loved ones, be it people and pets, are all around us. And so we all know that pets have a sixth sense, animals have a sixth sense. So I would think that, you know, they may possibly know they're walking in a very special garden. It's a great way. It's a living memorial for your pets. And if you want to learn more, head on over to PetPerennials.com. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Ramey Bebo, thanks so much for hanging with us. Oh, thank you so much, Judy and Hal. Really appreciate it. We'll head back to the phones for your calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Dr. Debbie, have you uh, ever done anything special to memorialize your pets? I have. As, as far as one of my childhood pets was actually, we had him cremated and um, my actually my parents buried, uh, they uh, planted a tree and it was actually called a Deborah maple. A Deborah and, maple. Uh, so <laughs> underneath that tree, they um, buried my pet's ashes. He was the dog that really kind of 
drew me to veterinary medicine and really motivated me as a child to get into this career. So um, it was very um, symbolic. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. When police rescued an African gray parrot from a Tokyo rooftop, they had no idea where he came from. The parrot spent a night at the police station and then was transferred to a nearby veterinary hospital. According to the police, the parrot hadn't said a word, but a couple days into his stay with the vet, he suddenly said, I'm Mr. Yosuke Nakamura. He then recited his full address and entertained the staff by singing some songs. The police checked the address and found Yusuke's very relieved family, who explained that they had been teaching the parrot his name and address for about two years, which sounds a lot more useful than Pollywanna Cracker. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Well, you lucky dog, Animal Radio has kicked off the Every Pet is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Have you uploaded your photos yet? Every pet entered will be featured in a Fido-friendly magazine spread. One cat photo will be randomly chosen to receive the the top-of-the-line Armacat Cat Treehouse condo. We put one of these in the studio almost two decades ago, and it's still standing strong. And then two dog photos will be randomly chosen to win the infamous Nina Otteson dog puzzles. You know, if you have a smart dog you'll want to engage those brain games. Okay, so it's so easy to enter. Go to animalradio.com slash photo and upload your pet's photo. That's animalradio.com slash photo. But you got to enter before April 30th. Animalradio.com slash photo. Hi, this is Justin Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? I got a question. Um, I have a umbrella cockatoo, and uh, I have a Moroccan cockatoo. The, the Moroccan cockatoo I sold to a CB shop, Triple T truck stop, and the umbrella... They travel with you? Yes. In your truck? Semi. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the umbrella, uh, the, the umbrella I raised in, in my truck, and uh, she's real attached to me. I would never let go of her, but Big Bird, I call him, his name. Uh, he's really loud, talks a lot, friendly. Um, everybody likes him, but he is really loud, and he needs a, a, an enormous amount of attention. And I mean... A lot of attention. <laughs> so, Makes for a very small cab, I'd imagine. <laughs> oh, yes. And some we've had screaming matches in the truck when I put him in his cage and he wanted out. He would just scream at me and I would just scream back. I'd say, okay, you're not getting out. And he'd scream, ha, 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 you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I don't know why I sold him. I think it was one of those days where we had one of those screaming matches. and he's, But anyway... He's he's been there for eight months, and I've been checking on him all the time, calling him every month, and I, I miss the bird, terrible. Wish you didn't felt, sell him, huh? Oh, I hated it when I when I left the truck stop. I go, oh my god, what did I just do? That bird saved my life one time. Mm. Really? Um, what? How did he yeah, save so your li- what? How did he save your life? 
Well, I'm a truck driver. You know, truck drivers, you know, they do things and drive and drive and drive. And it was one of those days where I was driving, driving, driving because the snow was behind me and I wanted to stay, keep it that way. And I was driving, driving, driving in Wyoming and I started to go to sleep. So I felt myself fading off and all of a sudden things just became a blur and all of a sudden Big Bird, name of the bird that I sold and bit me on the ear. Didn't really draw blood, but he grabbed a hold of my ear and he pulled my head back and woke me up. Wow. He really saved your life there. Yes, because he bit that close, clamping down, and I thought, oh, my God, he's grabbed my ear. And I looked up, and I go, oh, my God, what am I doing? I almost went off the road, and I just turned the wheel just in time to get it back on the road. And my trailer was swerving a little bit, and the truck was swerving. There was no traffic ahead of me or behind me. It was was just pitch dark. Bill, Bill, let me get this straight. You sold the bird that saved your life. That's right. (laughs) Okay, just wanted to make sure I got this straight. (laughs) Pretty stupid, huh? Yeah. Have you visited him, or are you just checking, inquiring by phone with him? Well, I visited I visited him um, one time, and he remembered me and come right up to me, and my other little uh, umbrella came right down to him. When they started talking, we all started talking. We was like a family again, right? Well, the guy, uh-huh. he acted like he wasn't going to sell him back to me because we had this agreement. If he didn't want the bird, he'd have to sell him back to me. So okay. I said, okay. So I, that's what I've been hoping so I called him back last week, and he said, I love the bird to death. He's just, I, I says, I just love the bird. He talks, he's friendly, but he says he's driving my neighbors nuts, and he's screaming and screaming and screaming. And he says, I think he wants to be back with you or something. I, he's asked me if I want him back, and I said, oh, of course. When? <laughs> Yeah. Well, he sounds—he sounds like he's one of those exuberant children who um, are very loud, boisterous. But once they're out of your life, that you kind of say, "Gosh, it's so quiet without Johnny here." So, are you looking at getting him back then? Uh, yes, I'm going. I'm driving down, I'm trying to get over there close by Tucson to pick him up. And the guy called me the other day, and he says, "Are you are you coming?" I said, "Oh yeah, you bet. I got his cage in his truck, and I got a different truck now." So it's all modified for him because he'll eat your truck if you don't modify it. <laughs> I got a I got a different truck now, so I, I hope he likes it. But anyway, I got a question. Uh, do you think? Well, I got two questions. One, every time I I, I bring food in the truck, I eat, I love hot dogs, and every time I get in there. Big Bird wants my hot dog. He'll fight me over it. He sees me eating a hot dog. He'll fight me over it. This came about one time when I left the hot dog on a dash when I went to fuel. And I went back in my truck, and he was eating my hot dog. <laughs> he was eating one end, and the other bird was eating one end, and I just cut it in half and says, go at it. So is that, is that safe for them? Well... Hot dogs are certainly probably not one of the the favored health foods for people, and it would probably be the same for birds. But you know what? They can certainly eat a lot of things that we do. And I think what you're describing is there's a lot of social eating when we have birds. And um, part of the fun is sharing the food that the human eats as well. So in a small amount, I don't see a problem with him having a hot dog. Um, You know, certainly a little bit high in some fat-type substances that we probably wouldn't want him to have as a regular basis. But, you know, 
for a treat here and there. If he enjoys it, it's part of your social bonding. I'm all for it. And and I would be very happy to hear him back in your life, um, as loud as he might be. Um, but, you know, especially if he thrives in that kind of um, the traveling environment and being in the cab with you, um, I, I'm, I'm very happy for you, and, and I, I hope that works out for you guys. Do you think I'm going to have a problem with him getting me back? Because it's been eight months. You know, there's going to be a little bit of acclimation um, in readjusting to the situation, but it certainly sounds like he thrived in that situation. He was excited when he saw you uh, visiting, and, and I would say um, I, I would be there with open arms and just be ready for and getting your buddy back and, uh, you know, give him a little, little extra space. You know, he might not fall back into the same routines quite as he did before, um, but I think with time getting back to the routine, you know, he'll, he'll find his place, and, and I think you're going to be very happy. So thank you, and I I wish you good luck here, Bill. Um, We'll be anxious to hear how he adapts and gets going uh, back on the road. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Animal. Radio Network. Network.